Hey everyone, welcome back to Keeping Pristine. This is Da here to bring out episode 8, The Environmental Impact of COVID-19. Before I get started, if you haven't followed us already, make sure to check out us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram. And if you really enjoy our episode so far, we'd be very grateful if you hit the like button and share our episode on SoundCloud. Additionally, if you have any topic suggestions for the future, or things you want to get in touch with us about, please let us know and we'll be happy to respond. Let's dive in. The amount of COVID cases in the GTA continue to rise and I hope everyone is staying safe and doing well. We'll be interested to hear from our audience what everyone's been up to with the lockdown measure in place and things that you've been doing. Now with all these significant economic and social changes that has been happening as a result of COVID, 2020 hasn't really been an easy year to navigate. I want to talk about some of these negative changes, but at the same time, some of the positive silver lining and hidden gains that, especially with regards to the environment, to help me with that, I'm joined again today by Frank. Hey, Da. Thanks again for inviting me. Anytime. And also, we have our director of operation, Sarah Shana. Hey, Da. Thanks for having me here. Of course, Sarah. It's been a while since you introduced yourself to our audience back in 2018. So much has changed since then. Do you mind giving the listener an overview of who you are and what you're up to now? Definitely. So, I'm Sarah. I've been part of the Pristine Blue Initiative for two years now. I was responsible for organizing the cleanups last year, so not this last summer, but the summer before. But really, I contribute to whatever I can. I suggested today's topic because I thought it would be really good to delve into, so I'm looking forward to chatting about it with both of you. Outside of the Pristine Blue Initiative, I'm a junior environmental scientist. I recently graduated from the Master of Environmental Science at University of Toronto. And I am passionate about soil and groundwater contamination. I'm also an amateur artist, and I work mainly with abstract and pattern line art these days. My handle on Instagram is Sarah Shanna Artwork, if you want to check out my art and my prints. Yeah, everyone, give her a follow. Her art is amazing. Thanks again, Sarah and Frank. All right. So today's topic is actually very interesting, and each of us did some research and literature on the environmental impact of the pandemic. Yeah, so I think it's worth noting that back in April, some of you may recall hearing news and headlines about groups of swans and dolphins coming back to the, the canals of Venice, Italy, because of the lack of tourism. And it's true that Venice suffered from over-tourism challenges, but it actually turned out to be fake clickbait news. The dolphins were in fact pictured long ways off the coast of Sardinia, which is 750 kilometers away, and there were already a lot of birds and all in the nearby city of Verano. And does anyone remember the um, pack of elephants that got drunk on wine and passed out in China? Yeah. Like that photo was like circulating everywhere on the internet. Um, yep. But yeah, they were already living in an elephant research center. So there's, there's definitely a lot of false dissemination of information out there, and I'm sure our listeners have kept to tabs with other fake instances of viral images about the return of wildlife to previously populated areas. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited to talk about this because it's easy in the midst of all the tension surrounding the coronavirus, and we want to believe these small instances of goodness in the world. But I mean, that's not to say that despite these fake news, there have been 
observations in various countries that animals have wandered further into cities to better forage for food. I mean, that makes sense considering the decreasing amount of foot and road traffic, but honestly, nobody knows whether the increase in seeing animal species is going to last or return to pre-pandemic levels. I'm interested to hear what you guys have, what kind of um, news you guys have been keeping up with. So I was reading an article published by the National Public Radio on April 30 this year, and it reported on projections from the International Energy Agency, the IEA. The IEA predicted that the global energy demand was to fall by 6% for 2020, which is seven times that from the global financial crisis of 2008. Hmm. According to the United Nations, if global emissions fall by that much every year for the next decade, then we would manage to slow down the impact of climate change significantly. China, as many other countries, implemented strict restrictions due to COVID-19, and it's the most studied because it was right there at the beginning. Yeah. And those restrictions changed air pollutions. So nitrogen dioxide concentrations in the air fell by 12.9 micrograms per meter cubed, and particulate matter concentrations that are less than 2.5 microns in diameter decreased by 18.9 micrograms per meter cubed. Oh in 367 cities in China. Other components of air pollution, such as carbon monoxide and um, particulate matter with diameter smaller or equal to 10 microns, were also observed to have been decreased. Satellite readings also show a decrease in nitrogen dioxide concentrations in Rome, Paris, and Madrid, which were the first cities in Europe to implement strict measures. These decreases are great for human health and environmental health. It's easier to predict environmental noise level reductions as well, because the implementation of strict lockdown measures has made people stay home, which means significantly less traffic and industrial noise levels. That's mm-hmm. really interesting. Yeah, but it's um, but at the same time, I think the problem with this idea that the emission and noise level reduction have been great is that it's most likely to be short lived. Um, I think there has been many cases of news that says emission often increases when lockdown and stay-at-home measures are slowly lifted. And even more so since like economies want to rebound back to pre-pandemic level. And oftentimes, like, these measures require um, government to overlook previous environmental like laws and restrictions. So unless serious actions are taken by governments, these you know effects that we have seen in the early periods of the pandemic is actually gonna mm-hmm. gonna be short term. It's not gonna be sustainable mm-hmm. in the long term. Um, mm-hmm. But interestingly, like if you guys do want to check out great resources, look up COVID nineteen in the environment: a critical review and research agenda. It's an academic paper that was available on June seventeenth. Uh, but anyways, in the Canadian context, the two thousand eight financial crisis made government adopt a wide range of spending measures to boost short term growth. This kind of raised aggregated demand and foster a condition for long-term recovery. Um, so basically, under the Harper administration, so for those of you who don't know, the Harper administration, it's the administration of our previous prime minister. The financial crisis acted as a cover for the government's plan to restructure the public sector, cut public service, deregulate industry, and dismantle environmental protection. I think uh, this was a term coined by uh, Arthur Naomi Klein as the shock doctrine. Essentially, one example is the repel and replacement of the Canadian Environmental 
Assessment Act in 2012. And many environmentalists actually protested uh, this measure, but then environmental minister retorted by saying that the reform is actually all about making environmental assessment and environmental protection more efficient. The agency's budget was actually reduced by 43%. There were also many significant cuts that were made to Fishery and Ocean Canada, uh, which was also an organization that conducted many environmental assessments. Yeah, so this is something that for us to really keep in mind because oftentimes many type of similar reforms and cuts happen in the aftermath of a large crisis such as the financial crisis and the current pandemic. So it's really scary to say the least how environmental law can be changed at this time just because government want to make cuts and stimulate the economy to make and to make the law more efficient. Wow, you guys did a lot of research. Those are some really good points that you both bring up. <laughs> um yeah, like I think in the initial stages at the height of the first wave of COVID, the world was able to get an idea of what a better environment could look like. I mean, based on what I've read, when more wildlife were uh, returning to their habitats with cleaner air and clearer water. I'm also thinking about single-use plastics um, as another rising issue despite the recent plastic ban initiatives. Um, why? Because plastics are advertised as a safe alternative and to reduce contamination between people. Yeah, it's it's true. It's kind of hard for us to imagine a world where we don't use single single use items because of the fear over uh, transmissions of COVID. Over yeah, yeah, like it's definitely like a hot button issue mm-hmm. these days. I mean, the reality is that we're actually producing significantly more single use plastic and medical waste. You know, more people are ordering takeout food and cutlery, and since indoor dining has shut down, I think mm-hmm. um, you know the plastic industry is like growing, and that's not necessarily good for the environment yeah and stores aren't allowing reusable grocery bags and coffee shops and they're also not accepting reusable cups for the foreseeable future because of the fear of contamination between people yeah um yeah and like south of the border they suspended recycling programs due to the risk of spreading the virus and um, wow yeah yeah like in, in italy they prohibited infected residents from sorting their waste so I think industries are seizing this opportunity to repeal disposable plastic bag bans. Plastic bans, so it's like uh, for cutleries. I remember Canada introduced the ban of single plastic uh, usage this year, like new policies and new laws, but they had been receiving a lot of pushback from the hospitality industry, especially especially in light of COVID. They're talking about how well these plastic items, the like restaurant industri- industries mm-hmm. can survive. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like It's definitely like a mixed bag of opinions. Um, I think we're heading back to using single-use items to, like, clear conscience that we're staying safe. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to mention, like, holiday shopping, for example. People aren't really comfortable shopping in person. So in some areas, lockdowns are prohibiting people from in-person shopping. And it makes people resort to online shopping, which leads to more packaging waste. So it's it's, it's almost like the issue is getting displaced, which is pretty ironic. Um, (laughs) I mean, there are grocery delivery programs that people are using more this year, but there's still waste being generated. And Food is often packaged in plastic, right? Yep. Yeah, and also like in terms of medical waste, um, I was looking at some of the news and hospitals in Wuhan, China produced an average of 240 metric tons of medical waste per day during the beginning of the outbreak compared to their previous average of fewer than 50 tons. I mean, they had a 78-day lockdown, right? So That's like, what, five times more than what they had before? Yeah, and like, I mean, there's also been an increase in garbage personal protective equipment like medical waste such as masks and gloves and do you ever take a walk in your neighborhood and 
see face masks thrown away on the streets. And yeah. I see it all the time. Like, it's annoying. It's, like, one of my biggest pet peeves. It's yeah, I, I see it everywhere when I go on walks. I see them just on, on trees, under trees, in the curb, oh, yeah. everywhere. Yeah, it also, like, it's also, like, kind of changed the way, like, you know, like makes you fearful of actually cleaning up after that because you're like, oh, my God, I don't want to touch it because it's COVID. <laughs> so, like, yeah, right. So it's, it just stays on the ground, makes, like, the environment look unappealing. Yeah. Right. Sarah, what do you think? I think that in order to predict how this pandemic could affect our environment, we need to look at research about how past pandemics have affected our environment. So mm-hmm. I found research from doctoral student Elik Rietzel from the University of Connecticut, and he uses examples from the past. An article he wrote back in May, he talks about his thought process based on previous global pandemics. Like the uh, SARS back in 2003 and Spanish flu like 100 years ago? Yeah, so he looked at the bubonic plague or the Black Death, for example, uh, where significant environmental consequences were observed on all scales. Hmm. But effects were complicated, and survivors' experience were varied and contextual. Open fields, for example, were reclaimed by forests, and lead pollution was decreased, but the cost may be too high to get this result. Mm-hmm. What I mean is the concept known as ecofascism which is the sacrifice of people to rebound the earth. And that's not what we're aiming for or advocating for in today's topic at all. Oh, no. important <laughs> distinction, looking at the environmental impacts resulting from this pandemic and wanting to people die on a global scale to clean up the earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little extreme. Yeah, oh, man. On the flip side of this discussion, the environmental consequences to previous pandemics have, haven't always been good. Following the 14th century bubonic plague, outbreaks occurring in Egypt, which had relied on irrigation systems, I don't know if you know that, farmland mm. were abandoned, and there was a shortage of labor, so that resulted in unusable lands. Because nobody is alive to actually farm. Yeah. Oh. According to the World Health Organization, 50 million people died as a result of the, of the bubonic plague. Some experts predict that up to 60% of the population from that time was wiped out. Yeah, and wasn't it like one third of Europe? Something yeah, like pretty that. much. <laughs> yeah, people. And the bubonic plague actually still exists today, but it's much better controlled and understood, of course. Mm. COVID nineteen has a lower fatality rate than the bubonic plague, which has resulted in over one point five million deaths globally as of December 6, twenty twenty, based on the Johns Hopkins Coronavirus Research Center. It's hard to say what the long-term effect of COVID-19 is, but medicine is much more advanced now, and vaccines mm-hmm. have already been approved or, and are on the way. Yeah, that's that's really interesting about how everything currently works. You know, going back to uh, the conversation about global emissions, I definitely agree that carbon emission is expected to increase following the end of lockdown, as well as overseas tourism. Um, I think people right now are like, like waiting for the opportunity to like travel and industries are waiting for the opportunity to like start working again. And I think because they're going to be making up for the missed time, a lot of these regulations are going to be pushed to the side in order mm-hmm. to stimulate the economy again. Mm-hmm. Currently, airline capacity has decreased and like less trips are deemed essential right now. But like I mentioned, people gravitate towards like travel experiences because that's such an important component of their health and well-being. 
I heard news about like many of the Canadian snowboard like retiree who are still going to Florida in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah, I've and, seen like, that. Yeah, it's like yeah. the damn Canadian winter, which I can understand. Yeah. Like they needed, they needed to travel and get out because for their own health and well-being. Yeah, you should see it from their point of view too, right? Because mm-hmm. some people think that going to different places, um, it's integral. It's part of their emotional health. Yeah, um, but, but at the same time, like. You know, while I'm optimistic that things will slowly kind of return to pre-pandemic level, I think there will be a lot less focus on green modes of transportation or anything like that. Because I think people are still going to be fearful of being in crowds and surrounded by people. I think the cruise line industry might get wiped out in the foreseeable future. Um, do you guys remember like that Diamond Princess cruise that was stranded in the Pacific back in January? Oh yeah, God, that, that was, was yeah, that was terrifying. That was terrifying. I can't imagine just being like stranded in the middle of the ocean in the middle of a pandemic. It's yeah, like being turned away. Nobody wants to take them in, and apparently, like one in five people on board got infected with COVID. Yeah. You know, and that's like a, such a scary image of like you booking a vacation, wanting to go have fun, and all of a sudden you get stuck in the middle of an ocean in literally like a floating coffin because everyone around you is like falling left and right. Yeah. Hey, on the positive side, I think the cruise line industry probably need to experience some major changes in terms of cleanliness on board and ocean pollution. Oftentimes, they are called floating cities due to the amount of sewage and waste and fuels that they irresponsibly just dump into the marine ecosystem. You know, they don't. Many cruise line has such a bad reputation of just dumping their sewage into the ocean, where no one, like no countries, has a jurisdiction over, so they can do what they want. Yep. Um, Plus the noise level that they make that mm-hmm. affects like marine. Yeah, systems. they do make lots of noises as well, and so they're just like a terrible industry. Uh, but personally, like I can envision, hopefully, envision like a better crowd control in the future to keep COVID in check. Eventually, hopefully, get to a more manageable level, which can boost more sustainable tourism practice, and hopefully, that can like really help us think about like a greener future. Yeah, all those points that you made, Da, those were great. Like, I think there's also um, like a very huge demographic shift that we're experiencing, mm-hmm. um, especially like a bigger push for companies to move towards friendlier remote working conditions. I think that's something that's not as talked about in terms of like environmental impacts because when you're working at home, it's resulted in more flexibility, and especially with those who have grandparents or those with additional life responsibility, it's made things a bit more easier. Yeah. Um, ability to do things like exercise, sleep, you know, all that kind of stuff. Remote work also allows people to work across different time zones more easily. So going back to carbon emissions, when more people work from home, um, individual footprints drastically reduce. So that's one benefit um, to this whole situation. I think theoretically, buildings of large corporations where most people used to work are now mostly empty. So, you know, most, most of the power consumption electricity bills of these major buildings are lower. But on the flip side of things, they can also be higher too because of the amount of time we're spending at home. Yeah. So based on my previous comments, it's kind of hard to say what the it's kind of hard to say what the long term net effects will be. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you guys think? I think that more people are buying technology these days because mm-hmm. everybody in the household needs a computer or a tablet or something to to talk in classrooms or yeah. at work. So I think that that part of the carbon footprint will be increasing because more people will be buying technology and they did talk about that on the news as well 
you know, more consumptions yeah. of like gaming stations and computers, like you mentioned, different things that help them in their day-to-day life, like not just for work or school related, but also for their mental health. But also just jumping like quickly about like when you mentioned about remote working, but I think it, it could also like exacerbate inequality that's happening right now because, you know, there are only a certain uh, sectors of people that can work from home. Well, there's many people who still have to work, work at the front line, you know, like people who are working in grocery stores and nurses and doctors. It's also be important to keep in mind that like, um, like remote working is not for everyone. Uh, not for, not everyone has the privilege and opportunity to work remotely. For, yeah. Sorry. Like for sure. I think in terms of the financial side of things, like it might be a bit more difficult, especially with households with lower income because they probably are deemed, they're more likely to be deemed as essential workers, right? Mm-hmm. You'll have to perform your work responsibilities in person. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I just wanted your guys' opinion because it's like a double-edged sword because, yeah, it's a you know, you power consumption and there's a, there's a more likely chance that the electricity you're consuming is going to go up and that's yeah. going to inflate your bills and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, like things are getting displaced. Mm. Yeah, there's no telling what the outcome to the COVID pandemic will be to our society and to the environment. It's really too soon to like tell because it's only been less than a year. But we'll keep going. But we're right now we keep going through many more lockdowns and brief openings. Looking at the society's action following past pandemics suggests that the environment will most likely, unfortunately, be neglected, and rules regarding carbon emissions and like pollutions will be loosened by government as a way to stimulate the economy. But with that, like we have to really keep raising our concerns and voices in the face of what is happening right now. No one benefits from further detrimental impact to our earth, and more detrimental impact to our earth will result in more pandemic, and that's not something we want to be in. With that being said, thank you so much for listening. Remember to stay in touch with us on social media. If you haven't already, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. It was such a great pleasure to have both Frank and Sarah with me today on the discussion. Let us know what you think about this topic. And again, what suggestion you might have for future topics that you'd like us to talk about. We will be sure to have more podcast content coming your way. And remember, we're available for listening on SoundCloud as well as our website. Thanks all for today. Thanks, everyone. Take care, everybody. We'll see you on the next episode. Stay safe and have a good one.